Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. A lot of the communities that I'm in now are just full of these purpose-driven entrepreneurs, impact entrepreneurs. And one of the conversations I hear a lot is how do you decide what your values are, like your values hierarchy? How do you choose what your clear priority of values in life are so that you can make sure you're aligned with the people you partner with, partnership with? And if you haven't done that for yourself, good luck on getting it right because you don't even know what yours are. So how can you find somebody that matched them, right? The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Alrighty, welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving online entrepreneurs around the U.S. and the world. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. I'm super excited to have my friend Eli Harrell here. Welcome, Eli. I'm super happy to be here, Heather. Thanks. Yeah, I think we're going to have a great conversation today. So Eli and I met in a, a podcasting group. What was the, it was like. Awarepreneurs, I think. Awarepreneurs, but he had, he had titled the group like, like, uh, uh, podcast with purpose, right? Or purpose-based yeah, podcast, impact-based impact podcasters. Yeah, exactly. And so Eli and I met inside of that group and quickly I realized Eli and I needed to have a chat over here on the podcast and hear more about his journey, the work that he does with people in the world. I think we have some strong overlaps and I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Eli today. So for folks that don't know Eli, Eli is the co-founder and chief of purpose at Valhalla.team. He's also the host of Products with Purpose, which you'll hear more about today. He is a social entrepreneur, leader, and consummate problem solver who, through the painful process of building business after business, has become a map maker for founders and executive teams. In the early 2000s, he built and sold two contracting businesses in Atlanta before moving his family to Asia in 2014, where he has founded and advised for business in a number of industries. He is also part-time faculty and mentor of the MBA program at Southwestern University in Cebu, Philippines. Eli is the co-founder, as I mentioned, and chief of purpose officer at uh, Valhalla.team, which is a company dedicated to amplifying the impact of entrepreneurs who are solving meaningful human problems via high-performing teams building products with purpose. He's the host of a podcast called Products with Purpose, where he teases out the most valuable stories from people who are building products and businesses that are laser focused on solving meaningful problems on this planet or beyond. I love the or beyond. Like my brain is going crazy over that that bit. Like I want to hear more. Welcome, Eli. So happy to have you here. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for the intro. Yeah, totally. So um I love, you know, we live in slightly different spaces, but obviously, you know, we've gotten to know a little bit about each other. And I think there's a lot of overlap. And really, I think the way that you summed it up, which was, you know, pretty simple and um, makes my brain happy, right, is that you're really focused on 
helping people build a life and business around purpose. And we were talking specifically about how some people end up maybe focusing on that in their business, but they, they are not building their lives around purpose, right? Can you talk to us a little bit about your own journey? Because it sounds like you've applied this in your own life, I'm sure as like test experiment number one. <laughs> talk to us a little bit about how you do that for yourself. Yeah, so I think, well, all of us want to feel like we're living a meaningful life, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, I spent... 10 to 15 years building businesses and having reasonable amount of success doing that before I really started asking some bigger questions around what is it that actually makes people happy. And long story short, I started discovering, I think people really need progress and growth continually. We, we, you know, never ending progress and growth. And that led me on a journey to focus more on who I wanted to become rather than what I wanted to do. And then eventually realized, I think humans are pretty much hardwired. We need to feel like we're contributing to something greater than us, right? So I think we we all have this journey to go on where where we need to build our frameworks and our our foundations of what do we value most in the world. And we're always seeking meaning. I think I think one of the things I'm really excited about in what I see happening in the world right now is that a lot more people are making decisions of what they do. You know, they're they're deciding on jobs or businesses based on on purpose and meaning instead of just what does it pay me and um what can i buy with it so yeah i think i think it's all just built on me shifting my priorities from i just want freedom for myself and i want you know you have all these dreams that you think you want to achieve and that drives you and gradually shifting to i I really want to help other people realize like life is much more powerful and exciting when we focus on who we want to become answering that question, which is probably never ending. And, and, you know, why are we here? What do we, what do we want to create for the future and thinking beyond even our, our own lifetimes and thinking about, you know, what, what kind of a future are we creating for future generations? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think those questions have led me down that path. I don't know. Yeah, That's a very, very big question to try to answer concisely, but. <laughs> and it's a big conversation. Lots of pieces to that. I, I love your shift, like you highlighting, you know, the the question became more about who you wanted to become versus what you wanted to do, right? I think that's a really powerful question to start from is like, who is it, whether it's this year or beyond that I want to become, right? Which can lead us in a very different direction than what is it that I want to do? For sure. Yeah, and then... Eventually, I think that leads us all to a path, if we go down it far enough, of discovering who we've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, yeah, kind of a even deeper question, but deeper conversation. Right. Well, it's so interesting. I, you know, at the start of every year, I get a lot of, um, we'll just call it new year activation energy, right? And it's been a little bit funny because for a couple of years now, and I think a lot of people can relate, it's like, oh, I've had to kind of tame myself a little like, oh, I should really ease into this year, not necessarily like take a big leap. But I've been reading this book. One of the things that happens and is just a new year thing for me is I really get a hankering to like clean out the old. Yeah. 
physically, like not just, Weird not enough. just do the exercise emotionally, mentally, right. But yeah. physically. And I was reading a book, um, I think, and I should share the name because it's a really fabulous book. I think it's called the clutter revolution. Um, it's definitely cathartic to let go of things. Yeah, it is. Let me see if this is it. Clutter-free revolution. I'll tell you. Yes. Clutter-free revolution. And it's um, written by Evan Zislis. Sorry, Evan, if I just butchered your last name. (laughs) Z-I-S-L-I-S. Anyways, he takes a very, like, really, for lack of a better uh, summary, kind of a spiritual approach to this whole Mm -hmm. process of, like, cleaning out stuff. And his question, because I've done the Marie Kondo, I've done like some of the other stuff, like many parents, I we tend to always have a clutter problem around here, right? I've got two kids, I've got a husband who feels differently mm-hmm. about the level of cleanliness than I do. And he's, he's not messy, but he just, you know, the I, what, what did I hear somebody say? The one with the strictest standards suffers the most, right? I can relate <laughs> with that. <laughs> and I think a lot of people can. In part because I work from home. So if there's a mess, like I'm in it. Well, you know, working from home and taking care of our puppy and whatever. And he just gets to go to work all day. I say that, like, of course, there are downsides to that too. But (laughs) but this book, Clutter-Free Revolution, it doesn't ask some of the typical questions that you would see. And and the only reason this is relevant is because it's really similar to your thought of, of does this item in my life support who I want to become, right? Does it support how I'm spending my time right now Mm. in service to who I want to become, right? So if who you want to become is somebody who spends more time with family or more meaningful time with your children, or maybe you want to do more art and creativity in your life, like, you know, whatever it is. And he's like, if it doesn't, What's it doing? Right. right? Yeah. Unless it, and unless it's serving a really essential function. And, um, you know, his backstory was that he went through a number of moves repeatedly as a child growing up, I think probably with a military parent. And so mm-hmm. he got really good at getting rid of stuff and starting over, you know, and realized the yeah. lesson early on, like if you need it, it will find you. Um, we don't actually need all this stuff in our lives. And I think that parallels over really nicely into the conversation that I'm hoping that we're having, which is around in many ways being more decisive and obtaining even greater clarity around what creates a purpose-based life and a purpose-based business. Right. Mm -hmm. I think in many ways, often the answer is less. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I've directly experienced, uh, well, when, when we moved, from the U.S. to Asia to the Philippines, actually, um, mm. 2014. I didn't. I didn't think I was one of those Americans who owned too many things. And I'm like, oh my god, how do we get this much stuff? And even before that, I had really been kind of thinking about letting you know, like, like why do I have an emotional attachment to these things? And yeah, it's a fascinating thing. There are. I think there's a lot you can learn when you explore why do we feel certain ways about physical items and not wanting to let them go. There's a lot to learn there. And yeah, I also think environment is a huge part of creating a purposeful, meaningful life where you're really happy with who you're able to show up as every day. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, probably you're never, none of us are ever totally happy with who we right. show up as every day, but you know, <laughs> that 
you're as close as possible yeah, as much as possible right <laughs> environment really matters and um mm-hmm. and whether you so if you're looking around the place you that you inhabit and it's not giving you the kind of energy it, it i think it's important to improve our environment as much as we can over time till we get to a place where like yeah that this place really supports the kind of person i want to show up as every day and the kind of energy and thinking that i want to have and Mm. let's talk about this concept of energy because i heard you mention it before like one of the things that you really try to help founders do right is like have the energy to do what they want to do yeah talk to us about your relationship to energy like what does that mean to you there are a number of types of energy that we have obviously there's a really good book i read a while back called the power of full engagement that talked about mm. these four types of energy and how to, how to make sure you're, you're sustaining them and um, generating them. I think Brendan Burchard talks really well about generating energy as well. Uh, but I, I also, there, there's a specific kind of conversation I've been having a lot lately that I'm, that I think we need to have a lot more, which is mm. that for people anywhere in this world right now who are either thinking about or have already decided to dedicate a large part of their time on this planet toward solving meaningful problems. So people who are, and then like I was telling you earlier, I'm really excited about the trend. I see that a lot of people are making, you know, more and more people are making decisions around what they do for work, whether it's a job or a business, rather than just thinking about the paycheck, they're thinking about the meaning, the meaning and the purpose. And like, does this impact the planet or people in the direction I want to see things go? And does the culture make me feel good? So people are making decisions in different ways. However, I think it's extremely challenging to sustain the energy that we need toward the solutions we want to create in the world or the the improvements we want to see in the world when we think the world is, can I say cuss words here? Mm -hmm. If we think think the world's fucked, right, then Mm -hmm. what, then it it gets really depressing. So I think Mm -hmm. we really need, I think we, we need to be conscious that it matters what we think about where the world's headed. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we, believe that we are contributing to a tidal wave in the right direction, we'll be excited and optimistic. Like we'll be able to sustain the energy, right? We'll be able to recruit more people to, to come to this cause. But if we think the tidal wave is coming in the wrong direction and we just uh, drop in the bucket that we're trying to, uh, it's like, we, we think we can't make a difference. We think, and that is just depressing and you can't sustain mm. it. So Einstein said that the most important decision anyone can ever make is I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he really said this, whether to believe the universe is a hostile or a friendly place. And I think Mm -hmm. it's clearly both. It's clearly tons of both. And we'll never be able to convince someone that it's more of this or that. What? It's like, it's both, right? It's, it's, it's positive, negative. It's, it's yin and yang. And we need to consciously tune in to the things that are happening in the world that make us excited. So that we realize like, no, there's actually a ton of great things happening right now. Unbelievably exciting things. I think we live in the most exciting period of time that's ever, you know, on this planet, as far as we know, like AI coming online right now, there are so many things we can do now that we couldn't do before that are just, I mean, just exponentially amplifying our power and and leveraging. Mm -hmm. We just have leveraged ability as humans, as individuals to make so much difference in the right direction. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, to sum that all up, supporting optimism by tuning into conversations hmm. with people who are doing things that make us excited. Like, oh my God, I can't believe that technology is happening. I can't believe how many people are 
but who's talking about this stuff? You know, we just mm. figured out fusion. And and where's that conversation? The news doesn't feed us these things. So they the good the good stuff doesn't come to us in by it doesn't it doesn't come to us automatically. We have to intentionally, I think we have to intentionally tune in. So anybody out there that wants to change the world for the better, I think I think it's really important. We got to work out. We got to meditate. Like there's a lot of things we need to do for ourselves to generate energy. But I think we also have to recognize we need to surround ourselves with people who are seeing, you know, we got to see the stuff that is exciting. Mm -hmm. I love what you said. Your point is a really important one. And as a mom, I feel that like heavily um, in a good way and in a bad way some days because like, let's take the news, for example, right? There have been some, and I've gone off the news entirely for, I don't know, a while, years Me now. Too. It's a yeah. little bit hard at the start of the p- pandemic not to pay attention to stuff because there was so much going on. And even mm-hmm. politically before that, right? It can be hard, especially as a person who cares a lot to tune yeah. that stuff out. But for my mental health, for my <laughs> literal physical health, and I think... There's a lot of people that relate to this phase of where we're at, that we have to tune out what is getting blasted every day and really consciously seek out the golden nuggets of goodness that are out there and all around, but don't get amplified in the same way that all of the negative news does, you know? Yeah. And I really think people are worn out on this. Like, I think people are getting to the, like the, the point of being like, that old model doesn't work anymore. And I'm even seeing it. Like the other day, it was interesting because my husband had the TV on and I did see a little news clip that came on and it was a local channel, but it was a very different kind of conversation that the newscaster was having. He he was intentionally slowing down the conversation, clearly making space to have a conversation and a dialogue. And it wasn't just this like, we're going to blast you with headlines and negativity. And I thought, isn't this interesting? It was a Mm. very noticeable change. Nice. Yeah. And I've also read other places that people are observing this, that the kind of the flashbang tactics of like whatever will catch people's attention in a negative way are, are just no longer so enticing to people. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if if we are able to like not only tune that stuff out, but influence in a way that the marketplace actually changes? Right. Isn't it interesting how our lens is so malleable? Like we have we have so much we don't realize. I think most people just don't realize how much power as individuals we have to adjust Mm -hmm. the lens we're looking through. You know, you're wearing these blue light blockers right now. It's like we we can it's like <laughs> right. If you, you're listening, when... you're really missing out. You gotta hop over to YouTube and check them out. They're atrocious. They're sending all cool. of this, I like them. this terrible light back to Eli. Yeah. Nice. It's um again in service to my lowering cortisol levels. We're just doing everything. So <laughs> so so I talked about, you know, what what's going on in the world that that we see as evidence of things moving in the direction we like. And then yeah. I also mentioned the news and then you, you said, no, there's actually, I see evidence that there's something, maybe some little trend starting where the news is changing. Mm-hmm. Really? That's, I wouldn't have expected you to say that, but that's, that's pretty cool. I'm mm-hmm. happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I, I definitely feel that younger generations are ahead of us in this regard. So, you know, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about, you know, you hear it millennials and Gen X and Gen Z and blah, blah, blah. But I think our tolerance levels for BS is just shifting. 
I, yeah. I just really think that tolerance is changing for certain things. And mm-hmm. a little bit like younger people, I think so often are more clear on their boundaries than maybe mm-hmm. even, I mean, you are probably younger than me, but even then my generation of kids were where, you know, I think there was a certain amount of like, well, this is how it is. And this is what our parents say it is. And we just have to go along. It's, it mm-hmm. was far less democratic than I feel like it is these days. It's a little bit like, I even look in my children, right? My little people, they come into this world with a really strong sense of democracy built into them. Mm-hmm. They're not tolerating the same old stuff from a tiny, tiny age. It's because they see more. They grew up with just YouTube, right? I mean, there's so much more visibility on what's really, and the the raw quantity of data that's coming at you ever since you're young, growing up in, in their generations, mm-hmm. I think they have to build better filters or they'll go crazy. So it's like, you got all this information, like what information that's coming at me is actually valuable, which what's bullshit, like they know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they can't be, I think they're way less gullible than any generation yes. that's ever existed and they it's like they've been traveling the world their whole lives too they've been all over the place you know totally. world travelers yeah it's really yeah cool. i know i i traveled the world by reading you know the different volumes of the encyclopedia like that's as far as i got out of yeah. my you know little home in idaho <laughs> while we lived there uh but it, it really is very different and it's to me it's so refreshing like do our little people have their challenges certainly you know, there are some things that I think as humans, we're just unprepared for. Like you want to talk about AI and technology and some of the shifts that are happening, you know, for a long time, technology has evolved faster than humans ability to really keep up with the changes in a way yeah. that, you know, causes some harm if we don't have clear boundaries around our lives, our use, our relationship to things. Mm-hmm. agree. All right, let's pause for a moment and hear from today's sponsor. Are you an entrepreneur who is on track to make a million or more in revenue this year in your business? If so, your business is likely facing a host of legal issues that are ripe for support. And if you are like so many of my clients at this level, you are likely tired of taking unnecessary risks and a DIY approach to legal support in your business. You're ready to tackle the mess of legal documents, fix legal gaps that you have. You want to take care of your IP, your clients, your business, and avoid unnecessary conflict and risk in the process. If this is you, and beyond just being an entrepreneur, you are a catalyst and are committed to your mission and your impact in the world, I invite you to get in touch. You could be a fit for my Catalyst Club, a small business legal support program that I designed for my high-level clients just like you. You can find out more at legalwebsitewarrior.com. Just click on the Work With Me tab to learn more about the Catalyst Club and other ways that I support my clients a fabulous group of world-changing entrepreneurs, I might add. You've done the initial legwork in your business and now you want to soar. And you know that you can only go as high and as far as your legal foundation lets you go. So get in touch today, hop over to legalwebsitewarrior.com, click on the work with me tab. And if you have any questions, get in touch through the contact link on my site. I look forward to connecting. It would be a joy to support you on your path. 
So I'm curious, because I'd love to know more, a little bit more about your personal journey, right? Share with us a little bit about your roots, how you got, you know, how you, how you came to be in this world of startups and technology and entrepreneurship and now products with purpose. I'd love to hear more about your journey into all of that. Sure. I'll condense it as much as I can. Um, so I, I grew up in the U.S. I was born in California, but I grew up in metro Atlanta area and pretty untraditional. I would say the way I grew up, I was the mm-hmm. eldest of eight kids and we were all homeschooled mm-hmm. and my parents were entrepreneurs. So I did not grow up on the education to employment you know, yeah, kind of a programming yeah. path. And I think that led me to become all of those, that scenario probably helped me become a self-teacher. Like I've just been somebody who's been, and maybe I was always just this way where I, I question things and I, I don't accept things until I understand why they are or the deeper under, underlying realities or principles below them. But yes, yeah, so I think I've always been inquisitive and innovator in the way I think, but mm-hmm. um, also a self-teacher. So I deeply believe in constantly trying to learn new things and never believing that we know anything. It's like, whatever you think, you know, just keep it hold it loosely and let new data in. Um, So yeah, I spent, like I said earlier, I spent a long time focusing on growing businesses with, with the motivation being, I want freedom for my family. I want to be able to, you know, travel and do all these things and like all the, all the things we all all want. The freedom lifestyle. Yep. Yeah. And then once I kind of got a little bit more on a personal growth journey and started reading a lot more books and deep, more deeply understanding myself and other people, I realized how many layers there are to understand in us and um, became really fascinated with sort of studying the human experience itself. Mm, I'm, I'm curious, was there anything in particular that, that launched you down the path of like more learning on the personal development side, right? You said once I became more interested there actually was an inflection point. I remember, I mean, I, I think it's always a process, but there was, there is, there's one big inflection point. I always, always point back to, which was after having built two businesses congruently with, in a partnership with people I grew up with and my brother, and we didn't know what we were doing. And it got so stressful that while we had reasonable amount of success, I was just totally, totally burnt out, headaches, mm. overweight, angry all the time. It was, it was not good. And, um, Fortunately, I was able to exit those companies uh, in a in a way that gave me some time to decompress a bit. But mm-hmm. it was it was kind of right at the end of those companies where I realized that I was just getting angry at my brother all the time. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? He's not doing anything. What am I doing? And it was it was something as simple as I don't really understand my own behavior and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. What's going on? What do I? What am I not understanding about why I'm acting this way? And it really came down to I had narratives looping in my subconscious that I wasn't paying attention to that were just feeding emotions that, you know, I had these stories. I had to build the skill of paying attention, using emotions as the alarm to make, mm-hmm. to make me, you know, pay attention to the beliefs you've built by saying things over and over again. Like my brother's an asshole, you know, it's like, whatever, whatever the thing is <laughs> that I'm saying, pops up, yeah, totally. I'm looking, I'm looking for evidence. Like I understand these things now and I understand confirmation bias and how you know, when we believe something, we just only look for the data that supports it. We don't actually notice any opposing data unless we specifically look for it. So mm-hmm. I think that was kind of a kind of an inflection point. Um, mm. Well, it's a powerful one. I mean, even that point of I love you saying paying attention to emotions as like the alarm bell, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I remember early in my journey learning about like emotions don't just happen. They happen as a result of thinking a certain thing mm -hmm. causes it's your interpretation of an event that actually causes the emotion. Right. Totally. So it's about yeah. like stepping backwards and saying, well, what was my interpretation of that event? And right. that learning I did, um, right out of law school, I went actually to the advanced, the, the seminar at put on by the program on negotiations um, at Harvard. It was an advanced negotiations course. Mm -hmm. And they were talking just about our, our perception, right? The lens that we all have around, you know, our own behavior versus how we perceive other people's behavior and how in every instance we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, right? And right. not, we tend not to, as humans, automatically give other people the benefit of the doubt because right. we're experiencing the impact, not the yeah. originating emotion not or the originating thought, their look, intentions yeah. behind exactly. it, right? So yeah. yeah, super powerful stuff. But I love that because I think even no matter how far along you are on the scale of personal development, that paying attention to emotions as the alarm bell is still relevant. Still relevant. Yeah, it's always well. I mean, maybe, maybe maybe there's a state of enlightenment we can get to where we don't right. need it anymore. But I have no idea about that. Um, yeah. No, I love it. It's a that's a good share. Um, so you you became more interested in this personal development journey. You exited those, you know, your other companies. Uh, what then? So I was doing some work for a company that was opening markets in Asia. Came over here to the Philippines for a month really liked it it's like a lot of reasons but i decided to bring my kids and my family over here and i wanted also wanted my kids to not just grow up in the u.s i wanted them to have a more international lens because i had lived in japan when i was 19 for a couple of months and i think that really changed me compared to so many people i grew up with so anyway fast forward i i've spent a number of years helping entrepreneurs here starting businesses and I've touched many different industries from outsourcing to like, I've, I've just, you know, recruitment, a lot of different things and outdoor advertising, cybersecurity. I've, I've been really in a lot of different industries and I realized that it had this kind of another, I would say, inflection point realization, two big realizations. One is that the fundamental nature of business is that it's just a tool or a model that humans created for solving problems. That's all it is. It is not fundamentally designed to make people wealthy. So capitalism doesn't have to be about making people wealthy. It just has to be about free markets. Mm -hmm. And you know where we're headed right now in stakeholder capitalism, I think is a way better version of it, which is another story. But basically just realizing business is such a great tool that we can use for solving any problem we want for any reason. And realizing that I wanted to be using business for making the world better for people. And those businesses also need to be built around people always. And that I needed to be partnered with people both partners in business, so part, you know, people that you partner with to start a business, but also clients. I won't only want to be working with people where I have alignment. And it took me a long time to kind of figure that out. Um, once I did and then started deciding what to do about it, I built Valhalla with people who I knew I had that alignment with. They saw business the same way. They saw changes they wanted to make on the planet the same way and that business can be a, a way of doing it and that humans have to be put first for it to happen. Um, and so we built Valhalla, not because I'm into tech. My my co-founder really is. He loves technology way more than I do. I I I love using it, and I love what it can do. But I don't. I'm not in love with it. So 
we built Valhalla because we see a lot of people on this planet who know how to solve problems. They're experts in something. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, okay, well, I could really change the world if I build a tech product that would scale what I know how to do or scale the solution I've come up with. And the way that people usually go about building software, especially if they haven't done it before, it ends up being kind of a nightmare most of the time. So we, we have built out a better process to help purpose-driven founders to make sure they're building the right product for the impact they want to have. Mm-hmm. And that was just really driven. All of that comes from that desire to see business be more impactful and, and just wanting to help other people improve the way that they, you know, just, just amplifying the way they do that because we're not experts. You go, to, you go to solve a problem in climate or in education or in agritech, like whatever it is, you don't want to spend the vast majority of your time learning how to be an expert software product development, you know, leader. That's, that's really hard. So. Yeah, no, that's a true story. I'm curious, you know, I think everyone has their own path to like figuring out who their ideal clients are, who their ideal people are for partnering or working with or whatever. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you get there because you worked with some of the wrong clients and wrong people along the way? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, And you think that's a a necessary part for many people, necessary part of the journey? I think there's a lot of mistakes I haven't made by listening to the mistakes other people made. So, you know, reading books and listening to podcasts, watching YouTube, you can, you can deeply understand. You can't just, I don't think, you know, hearing people say, well, do this, don't do that. That probably doesn't help us avoid making the same mistakes they did. But if you deeply understand the nuances of why they went down a certain path and you're, you re- you relate with, Oh shit, I'm on that path, you know? And so no, I don't think we have to do it wrong. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people kind of going back to what we were saying about our kids. I, I think there's just a lot more information available now than there ever has been before. We can definitely tap into people that are doing it right. So for example, a lot of the communities that I'm in now are just full of these purpose-driven entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. impact entrepreneurs. And one of the conversations I hear a lot is how do you decide what your values are, like your values hierarchy. This is something I have done a lot. Um, how do you choose clear what your clear priority of values in life are so that you can make sure you're aligned with the people you partner partnership mm-hmm. with? And if you haven't done that for yourself, good luck on getting it right because you don't even know what yours are. So how can you find somebody that match them, right? Um, so I, I, there are definitely methodologies of how to go about finding the right partners. And there's definitely people out there talking about it. So yeah, just, just recognizing it's a thing you need to do is good stuff. Yeah, well, and I, I love even the mention of like, and I don't know if you've got your own values exercise that you walk people through, right? Because I know of some out in the marketplace. And mm-hmm. um, I do think it's really important to go through those. And I think oftentimes we can skip a lot of the process. Sometimes I feel like it's actually easier to just look at your life right now and see what values are you expressing? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Those are Agreed. probably the ones that you hold dearest. And so for me, like it's really clear what my values are and how they're being expressed. And then from there I can say, okay, does that work for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it working to express this particular value in this way? And, you know, and there I think, is a significant opportunity for coaching, whether it's from somebody like yourself or somebody else around, because there's also ways to like 
tie certain values together so that you're able to like bring in another way of expressing. Let's pretend somebody overworks, right? Because they're so Mm -hmm. dedicated to their business and their Mm -hmm. mission and supporting the right people. And they're not exercising enough, right? There are ways that you can manipulate your own mind, if you will, to actually begin expressing this value in a new way that looks like exercise, even if you haven't expressed it that way in the past, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it is about recognizing like everything we do is actually tied to our values. Totally. Yeah. I think no, the way you, what you just said is really important. When I first started getting clear about what my top values would be, the ones I first chose were, I want to always be dedicated to leveraging my own potential. So growth and learning mm-hmm. so that I can help as many other people as possible. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is I always want to remain open to new data and never think I'm rigidly know something those became really foundational. And was I living according to those to the level that I wanted to when I chose them? No, not quite. So they became like really a kind of a North Star or a, you know, a metric to, me- you know, like some kind of a measuring device to, to say, am I living into these values? Brene Brown mm-hmm. talks about this. And I think her values exercise is good. Um, but then fast forward five or six or I think five years, something like that, I decided to shift them a little bit because I had, I'm not going to say I've completely mastered those two, but they're Mm -hmm. so foundationally built into everything I do that I don't think they're really serving me to become a better version of myself to keep them as my top ones. So I chose contribution and kindness because I want to be creating a lot more. I want to feel like I'm creating a lot more impact than increasing impact exponentially. And I think kindness is something I want to be known for that I'm totally not known for. So, you know, I think that's like a big challenge goal for me or challenge value. It's like a, am I living into this value? I love that. Well, and it is true. I think, you know, all of us, first of all, we have limited time. We do, whether we like it or not, have limited energy, right? There are some limits around how many ways and how strongly we can express any of these values. And so I do like your perspective around like, look, you might really be leaning into a couple and are those the ones that should be showing up or does it look a little bit differently in your ideal scenario, right? And then how do you create your life or your work around that so that you can express those, right? Like in, and when I was building out um, even my mission statement for my business and the ways that we are, distinguished from competitors, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, we build generosity into the business model, right? I want people to feel like they're having, uh, you know, receiving a lot of generosity and, you know, kindness, however you want to describe it in the experience of working with us. Mm -hmm. Opposite the traditional legal model. Love it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so, yeah, I think it's, but I, I love, I mean, and, and you mentioned the Brené Brown has a value exercise. There's one by Dr. John Demartini, like whatever the flavor of the exercise, like just go do it, get clear mm-hmm. on what really are your values and how are they being expressed? And does that work for you? Right. I love yeah. it. And it's not something that is like a set it and forget it either. No, it has to be something that Evolved. you check yourself yeah. against and, and, necessarily, I think we also need a support group around us, whether it's a life partner or business partners, or just your circle of closest supporters that know what those values are, and will kind of have the guts to say, I'm not sure if that behavior or speech or choices are, is that living into the values you chose? Mm -hmm. I think we really need that because sometimes we don't notice when we're heading off track. Totally, totally. Super, super important. 
Um, so Eli, I would love to know, um, cause I know it sounds like you work at least through Valhalla primarily with people in the tech space, right? Specifically, it sounds like lots of software, but you've got a podcast called products with purpose. And I think you probably bring on a wide variety of guests and, um, and also do coaching with founders, right? You, you have a variety of ways that you deliver your services. Do you want to share a little bit more about what you're up to currently? And so that people that are listening can either go, yeah, yeah that's me. Thank you. Absolutely. So the, the types of things we're talking about now in this conversation are, are things that I think are valuable. I, I, I see founders and change makers needing to talk about these things. And uh, the, the podcast is called Products with Purpose, but Usually I'm interviewing founders of purpose-driven tech companies and the conversations just often go to things like supporting optimism. I think I might spin off another mm-hmm. another podcast about that in and of itself because I think it's so important. So if those kind of conversations are interesting and you might be interested to hear some of the really cool things that are happening out there, love to invite you to tune in. And um, also we, we help people that are not necessarily tech companies, but have built a successful company that needs to build a tech product to scale. Mm. And we kind of kind of help them think through a year before they start that, when they're starting it, how to, how to get that going. So we also sometimes help. Um, but we love working with people that are focused on impact. And if there's anyone out there that I could support, happy to have a conversation, LinkedIn, any way you want to connect is fine with me. I'm very open. I love it. Well, and we will share... Um, if you're listening, hop over and check out Eli and his links on the show notes page. Those can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. Go find Eli's episode. Eli, where are you on social media? And I always like to ask guests, doesn't matter what the answer is, but do you spend time on social media? Do you use social media to connect with people? And where do you prefer people find you if so? LinkedIn and Instagram. Instagram would be fine, but LinkedIn's best, I would say. Um, mm. I'm working to ramp up the content quality and quantity that I'm putting out. I, I don't spend a lot of time on social media other than creating content. And of course you got to chat with people on messenger and stuff, right? Right. uh, Yeah. I'm pretty open wherever you find me. Okay. All right. Excellent. And then we will share your, um, your link over to your podcast products with purpose. If you are listening, you want to pop over and make sure that you flag Eli's podcast. I, um, I'm looking forward to listening to some of those conversations myself, Eli. What final thoughts would you like to leave listeners with today? I would recommend reading a book called Long Path by Ari Wallach, which is a pretty short read, but it really gets us thinking about what kind of ancestors we're, we are being mm-hmm. and like just like thinking beyond. I really like zooming out, you know, thinking about what elevation we're looking at things from, like, you know, and there's zooming out beyond our own lifetimes, I think it's a really powerful exercise to just think about. And I found that book to be really powerful. I would just really Mm. recommend it. Oh, I love it. I've never had anybody say anything close to that. What kind of ancestors are we being? Such a thought provoking question. Yeah. Eli, thank you. It's been such a joy to connect with you. I loved our conversation and I really hope people will pop over and connect with you through your podcast, online, through your website or social media. Thank you again for being here today. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it too. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit and Great Business Podcast. 
We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.